Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff Rappaport. And today we're going to be talking about the benefits and drawbacks of creative financing. And I think we're going to kind of name these off one by one, right, Jeff? And just go through... We're not going to... We're, we're actually going to lump them all together and just... Yeah, really what I want to cover in this episode is... I, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, the market's really hot right now. Yes. People are getting, there's multiple offers for a, a lot of properties that are being listed on the MLS. Things aren't staying around. We have a small, a very small inventory. And so why in the world would sellers be looking at creative financing in this type of market? And this is really what you specialize in, Jeff. Um I think because uh, I, I see the properties you get under contract and um, a lot of them are because you're able to structure these uh, these terms and these, these use these strategies, right? That's it, right. It kind of sets you apart because a lot of most of the wholesalers I see, they're just, you know, most of them are just cash deals. Right. Um, there's no there's no um, seller financing uh, available and, uh, you know, they're mostly just houses that need to be rehabbed um and when the numbers are too tight then they just call them buy and holds that's right that's <laughs> right? right yep so even if they don't cash flow at all yeah and this is something i've really been trying to learn from you over over the years uh since we established a relationship is um how to structure different um creative financing to do more deals in that sense and to offer more solutions to your sellers. Well, and that's what I want to do is I want to show you why people would be still, even in this market, would be interested in terms. Because yeah. I think, you know, I read a lot of Facebook posts in real estate groups and I hear a lot like, don't even offer uh, creative financing terms because, you know, that part's dead right now. But, I don't know something that could be further from the truth. Right. So. Yeah. And I agree, especially with, uh, you know, with all the deals you've been doing just by offering alternative uh, solutions. Yeah. So but let's talk a little bit about what are some of the benefits. And before I do that, you know, keep this in mind. So when, when we're talking about creative financing, with as, as competitive as the market is right now, so low inventory, rising prices, lots of people in the real estate arena in terms of investing. Yeah, interest rates are still relatively low. Although on the rise. And uh, But what, what could possibly, I mean, whether you're a wholesaler or a rehabber, so basically those two can be kind of lumped together because... 
they're typically looking for a property that's got enough equity that they can buy it for a certain price mm-hmm. and leave enough room in it that you can go put some money into it, renovate it, and then retail it. Right. So you, you, you can only deal with people that have enough equity in their property. Exactly. So what's happening to all the rest of the people that may have little to no equity in their property? Um, or not enough that would qualify for a, a wholesaler or a rehabber. Well, those are those leads are being looked past. That's by, right by the wholesalers that are just using you know the cash hammer. So if you're dealing with that kind of competition, which you should be yeah. almost no matter where you're at, any you know fairly major city across the country, you know, maybe some of the smaller cities not as much, but any major city. Um, you, you are dealing with that kind of competition to some degree. Right. So wouldn't it make sense to be able to allow yourself to work all these other potential leads that maybe not as many, certainly not as many people are working. Uh, yeah. So the benefit to learning these types of strategies is that There's it opens up a whole new world. Yeah. yeah it, less competition. It, less competition and my favorite is that you can literally create a deal when there's not a deal. There is yeah. no deal there. And, and you're good at that, the, I think. You can create the deal when there's nothing there. Yeah. Not on, Don't get me wrong. Not every potential lead that comes in is something that you can create. But someone that's open to terms, which, you know, I, I've got to tell you this. So... We, we ask every single lead that comes in, would they be willing to take payments for their equity? Yeah, great question that, to ask. That is like our pre-qualifying question um, because if the answer is anything but a hard no, it's a lead for us. I don't care what they owe. I don't care what they want. If they say yes that or maybe. That for you to create some alternative offers. That's right. It becomes a lead for us. and But you would think... Well, why would people say yes? Or I bet very few people say yes. What's your guess, Jonathan, in terms of if you asked 100 people if they'd be willing to take payments for their equity, how many of you think would say yes? Uh, I would think probably 80% of them would say yes. 80%. So you think really high. Yeah. And that's kind of based on my experience. Most of the leads I've went through and I, you know, all the sellers I've talked to, they're at least open to that option. Yeah, they may because, not know exactly what that means. Exactly, yeah. but it's just, you're like, hey, I might be able to give you more money or, you know, this might be a better option. Are you open to that? Yeah, I'm open to that. Yeah. So there are, so most of the people I've talked to, and I have talked to some that are like, no, I'm, I, I just need to cash out of this thing. But most of the leads I've talked to, they're all, most of them have all been open to um, hearing some other kind of offer. So what I would tell you is that, you know, obviously if you're getting leads and you think that it's three quarters or better are at least open to it, I mean, that's a huge number. Yeah. I would tell you it's more like 35%, 30, 40% of everyone. So maybe four out of 10, um, three and a half. Okay. Yeah. But that's still quite the number. And, uh, especially in this market right now where, for the most part, people don't really need to to sell to investors for the most part. I mean, they could yeah. go listed on the MLS and 
you know, if it's a decent deal, it'll be gone. Sometimes even if it's not a decent deal, it'll be gone. Yeah, you're exactly right. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why, you know, what are the benefits to a seller? Why would they want to do something like this? What are the benefits to you? And we'll talk about a few of the drawbacks. Not really for you, because I just can't think of any what the drawbacks might be for us, whether we're wholesalers or the actual buyer for creative creative financing. I, I just don't see any negatives. Right. Um, and if there are, it's probably because you didn't structure it correctly, um, because you can address whatever it is that you want to address. So okay, that kind of falls back on you. So, so let's start with benefits to the seller. To the seller. So, so why so, would the seller... Um, do seller financing or, you know, do your creative financing offers. So one of the things that, that comes up a lot is whether it's the actual reason or not, but I'm sure that when you're on the phone pre-screening a seller or negotiating with the seller, a lot that comes up is the price, right? Yeah. It seems like everyone, all the seller's main issue is price. Yeah. That may or may not be the case. You may not have dug deep enough to truly find out what the situation is. But on the surface, it may seem to be price. I'm not saying that no matter what the situation, what's owed on the property, but price is the least of our concerns when we are creating creative finance. Okay. We can overcome price a lot. Yeah. Because if we can structure the right terms, price is not that Irrelevant. important. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give you an example that we were, I was working on a 35 unit apartment building last year and she was stuck on a price and she was asking too much. And we were close, but I couldn't quite get the numbers to work. And I said, what if we forget all of that? Because she wanted a certain interest rate. They were all fair, but the issue was, is that she was asking too much. The interest rate was slightly too high and ultimately, there wasn't the cash flow that I needed to be coming in. Okay. So I said, why don't we forget all of that? She wanted $2.25 million. I just offered her $3 million. Okay. Well, how can I offer her $750,000 more? Yeah. I don't want to pay any interest. So if I can meet her price, then maybe I can structure my terms. Okay. And so price becomes the least important so we can pay sometimes an overinflated price or we can offer them more money. If you remember the, the example we've talked about a number of times, the rehab that we're currently doing, he told us he wanted 400000 We offered him 415000 On terms. On terms. So uh, we were able to structure the terms because, again, I don't really, the price wasn't that important. Price becomes even less important the more equity that the seller has. Right. So on a free and clear house, great, no problem. We we can talk whatever price that you want because I have the luxury of creating whatever terms I want. Yeah. The more debt that's on the property, the less uh, flexibility I have to create that kind of deal. But right. price, we can offer sellers typically their price or close to it. Uh -huh. Okay. We can create a cash flow for them. So think about this. Let's just use a landlord as an example. So a lot of people get into the rental game. They think that passive income is the where it's at and they want to do it. But 
they have these sl- slim margins. They, yeah, they don't want to hire a property manager. They think they can handle it themselves. Uh, so they're managing the property so they can save 80 bucks a month or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Happens all the time. Right. Managing a property is like the worst thing I think that you could possibly do. Uh, whether it's getting calls from tenants about fixing toilets and runny sinks and, you know, leaks and whatever else, but collecting payments and hearing all the potential stories, true or not true, of what's going on in their life literally every single month while they're trying to scrape up your payment to, so you can help. Get your cash for the month plus make any underlying debt that you may have on the, the property. Right. Okay. Huge pain. Yeah. And not to mention that if you've had a bad tenant, a tenant that you had to evict, that did a bunch of damage to your property, that, you know, when you're making $300 a month cash flow and, uh, <laughs> and you know, does $3,000 in damage. Yeah. I mean, you just gave up loss. You gave up your cash flow for the entire year. Yeah, exactly. So we can now offer that same landlord cash flow, cash flow that without, that's what they were interested in without the headaches of being no headaches. So no tenants, no vacancy, no evictions, no maintenance, no repairs. No taxes, no insurance. And depending on what their situation is and depending on where the rents were and where they could be, they may get as much, maybe even more net, net, after doing an owner finance or creative finance type strategy with us than if they were actually renting the property themselves. Right. Right. And that's, that's a huge benefit to, to people that, you know, were landlords or are landlords and they do love the cash flow. And that's why they bought the property to begin with. And then, you know, they being Mr. Landlord, they figured out how big of a pain of the pain in the ass it is. Um, so that's, that's huge. Okay. So we covered cash flow. Yep. And we covered price. price. So we can give you your price if we can get our terms. Right. And we can give you cash flow without having to deal with the headaches of being a landlord. That's okay. right. Now, think about, well, let's say you're not even a landlord, but you have some equity. Maybe you don't even have that much equity, but you got a good payment on your house. It's been your house. You've lived in it. And uh, for whatever reason, you're looking at terms. I mean, let's say that you were going to get $30,000, $40,000 in equity for the sale of your home. Okay. Unless you're planning on going and putting that down on another home, what are you going to do with it? With that equity? Yeah. What 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 are most sellers going to do with their equity? They can pull a HELOC on it. No, or... I'm saying once they get paid, what are they going to do with the proceeds to to the sale of their house? Buy they're another, gonna, buy well, if house. they're not buying a house, they're probably putting it in the bank. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's I, I see there. where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, if they don't have plans with that money, it's just going to the bank. What, right. what kind of interest are they earning on that money? 1% right now, something like that. Uh, maybe one and a half on a CD. Um, yeah. They could be in the stock market. It's a little volatile right now. So, uh, you know, kind of questionable. So, why not make money on their equity that's secured by their own property? That so, they were just going to put in the bank anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, even if we're only offering them 
4% is a whole lot better than 1%, isn't it? Absolutely. So, um, and sometimes you can even, so maybe it's not even interest, but maybe it's a higher price in terms of waiting on their money. So not a bad way in terms of investing their own equity to get a higher price. Maybe a good question to the seller is, hey, what are you planning to do with the proceeds from this sale? Absolutely. Because then, you know, if you can get an idea of what they're just, if they're just going to stick that money in the bank and say, well, hey, what if, what if we could get you a higher, higher interest rate on that equity and give you a monthly payment? Right. Okay. okay. So higher interest rate on their money, on their equity. Yep. Um, so Actually an investment for them. Yeah. To secured to by real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so if they have a tax consequence, so this hasn't been their primary residence two out of the last five years. Uh, maybe it's a long-term rental and uh, they've been taking depreciation for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it's been. So they're going to have a tax consequence. So there's really only a, a few choices here. One is sell the property, pay your taxes. Two, do a 1031 exchange, sell the property, have to find a property fairly quickly and get into another property, defer your taxes to a later date. Right. The third would be creative financing. And depending on what we do, so lease option is not a taxable event for the seller. So allows them to continue to maintain ownership lease option it without having to deal with all the management issues with it and still get that cash flow, not trigger that tax consequence. Doing it as owner financing, whether it's any of the different ways that we've talked about, allows them to defer so some of yeah. their tax consequence. So if they're worried about having a big tax bill all at once, they can spread it out over some time based yeah, on money they're receiving. Years. Yeah, because they can receive a down payment, which that would be, you know, added to their income for that year. Um, and so that that would be kind of offsetting, um, you know, the, the full net proceeds of that sale if they were to just to sell it and pay pay that way, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. I love that. So the, one of the, the other benefits is, so... Let's go back to the whole landlord situation, Um, but it really doesn't matter whether it's a landlord or not, but I just like this one because I think people can relate. Yeah. So you have a landlord that doesn't want to be a landlord, but loves the passive income that comes in through it. Normally, when you rent a property, you get a security deposit. That security deposit, even you know, if you're a renter, you're probably thinking the security deposits are way too much. But if you're actually the landlord or owner, they're never enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> seriously, sure. if you've got to go replace carpet, it doesn't cover replacing carpet. Yeah, if you've got exactly. to paint the place, it never covers it. Right. So in this scenario, if we're doing some kind of owner finance with the seller, we potentially can give them a down payment. Right. Potentially a whole lot more than a security deposit. So, hey... If you got, if you were doing, let's say, a $300,000 home you had as a rental, and let's say we offered you $15,000, which is still good for us, it's 5% down, you get fifteen grand. What if you set aside five grand? Just, hey, what if they defaulted? You know, I you know, cover some 
payments in case you know, things go bad. You have $10,000 now that you didn't have that, you know, with a security deposit, that's not spendable money. Uh-huh. You have to hold that money. Right. This money, you can go spend. Yeah. So, yeah. it's a it's big there. benefit to people. They have some security that you're taking over the the payments. If there are payments, you're you're giving them a passive income you're, and you're giving them an insurance policy up front with some money. And relieving them from being a landlord. Well, and or debt relief. So, it yeah. could be any number of reasons. Love it. So, these are all benefits to the seller. Okay. Yep. So, some of the drawbacks are... Let's, let's recap those okay. real quick if we could, Jeff. So price, we can typically so we pay can a price, price and or more than even what they're asking or market value, depending on the situation. Okay. Um, we can create a nice cash flow for them. So we can give them cash flow. It's a great way to use their equity to make money. So they as can, an investment for them. So they can, re, they can make a return on their equity. That's right. Secured by their real estate. Right. Okay. They can defer their tax consequence or... Um, if they want the lease option route, uh, not even trigger that tax consequence. They can defer or not even trigger the tax consequence there. Okay. If they were a landlord, they don't have to deal with all the headaches anymore and still get that passive income. No more tenants. And they can still get a down payment. Yeah, they and can they get, get a, a good, a sizable down payment more than what they would ever receive if they were just trying to rent the property out. That's right. Love it. Okay. okay so that's the benefits to the sellers. Um, so what's some of the drawbacks? So one of the drawbacks is, is that, you know, a lot of the leads that you will talk to say, Hey, you know, I need all of my equity. I want to go put down on another house or I just need all my cash or whatever. Well, typically we can't give, depending on the situation, obviously, maybe their equity is five grand, in which case, Hey, that might work. But if it's free and clear or they only owe 50% loan to value, something like that, that's a problem because we can't come with that kind of down payment to make it work. Right. So one of the drawbacks is they don't get all of their equity up front. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, as far as a down payment, they might not like how much money they're getting up front. So, as the benefit, we talked about that they're getting a lot more than what they were getting already. Yeah. But comparatively to the purchase price of the property, yeah. we typically are, you know, three to seven percent of the purchase price down. Um, down. For, for a down payment. Yeah. Okay. We, we don't, if we start getting into that 10% range, there's no room for us. Right. Now, if you're trying to uh, acquire property, maybe 10% is, works for you. Right. For mm-hmm. us as wholesalers and potentially holding some of these, that does not work for us. Yeah, and that just depends on your strategy because, I mean, if you're able to put 10% down, you know, relative to 25% down in which you would have to, you know, on a bank, if you're getting a bank loan, you'd have to put 25% down. 10% sounds pretty good, but it just, you know, what is your exit strategy? Right. Well, and you got to remember that we've got to add our fee on top. So we want to stay under what it would take someone else to go get a conventional loan. So absolutely. um, if they've got to put down 20%, 25, 30, wherever it may be, you know, if we can offer it to them at 15%, that's a better deal. Exactly. Yep. So, so down um, payment. So maybe not as much money up front as okay. they would like. And, uh, they may not be on title anymore. So they may give up ownership and or control 
of their property. Doesn't have to be, depends on which strategy we're talking about, but that is something. The good thing is, is that we've given you enough different strategies that if that were to come up, one, you can always answer that objection and overcome, or two, move to a different strategy that would better fit their needs. So, right. you know, if being on title means that much to them, I guess we're looking at contract for deed or lease option. Uh, it's pretty much both of those, your seller's left on title. Yeah. Uh, if that's not a big enough deal, then maybe it's about finding out why and overcoming that objection. Okay. But really, those are the drawbacks. And the, the, the major one being that... It sounds like there's a lot more benefits than drawbacks. Well, there are. And um, yep, I guess one of the other drawbacks is that there's potential for default. And uh, so, is there some risk on their part? Maybe. Um, so, it probably comes back to how much do they trust you? How much money do they feel like they're getting for the down payment? And you know, what problems does it solve? Yeah. Well, and, and another thing is, as far as uh, you know, them taking risk, they're selling to an investor. So we're, you know, we consider ourselves professionals. So you know, there's a greater uh, chance that we're not going to default on that, or our, you know, even our buyer of the property, if we're wholesaling, it's not going to default on that because this is what we do for a living, right? So you know, if they were to look at it the other way, if they were just to sell to you know another guy on the street or some renter that wanted to buy it. You know, they're not a professional. So there's less risk there, or at least less perceived risk. Well, and one of the things, too, is that so we're, whenever we're creating some kind of financing and we're wholesaling it, we're very clear with the seller what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, they they need to know that we're not the end buyer. We're not the ones that are going to make them the monthly payment every single month. Absolutely. So we're very clear on how this is going to work. They're up front. They understand what's going to happen. But one of the things that we offer that maybe not a lot of wholesalers would, I don't know why, but we tell them, look, we'll be a line of defense for you as well. If this was to go bad, you should call us. Um, we'll help you. We might even pay for it to get resolved because it's an opportunity for us to go and get the property. Yeah, get, get resolve the issue and put someone else in there, get a whole new down payment or create some different kind of terms. Um, plus, sellers want to know that. Uh, like, you're not just going to leave me now, are you? And it's like, no, why would we? So you call us and you know, we still get calls from people that we've helped two, three years ago. Not that, you know, maybe someone missed a payment or, you know, what am I, you know, where do I go from this or how do I deal with that? And they appreciate that. And so we don't mind staying even though we're not actively in the middle, but just as a contact, absolutely right. I love right? That. So really, the the amount, really, the biggest issues are the down payment and not being able to get all their equity, equity. at once, and yeah, maybe some front. risk that they're going to stay in it for a while. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so, what what are the benefits to us, either as the buyer or you know someone that we're going to wholesale the property to? So cash flow, um, kind of creating our own monthly payment, um, lower down payment, right? right? And um, no, no qualifying for loans. Yeah, no, no qualifying, and we can kind of structure um, structure it over a period of time where that allows us some time to refinance or sell the property down the road. So the, or keep it 
If Jonathan, right now, if you went to the bank and you were interested in acquiring some uh, rental properties, mm-hmm. what do you think you'd have to put down to acquire a rental, a single 20, family home? Twenty five percent down. I think you can actually right even find some places. I know of one that still will do ten percent. Okay, but I know some that will do twenty, and I know that some have gone to even twenty five. Yeah. But, but most let's commonly, say it's twenty. Yeah, most okay. commonly, yeah. Okay. So if you're looking at a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar home, how much money is that? Twenty percent down. So that is fifty grand. Fifty k. So if you're working a job, and it takes a while to save fifty thousand uh, dollars over the course of your life, how many rental properties do you think you'll be able to acquire? Not a lot. Right? I mean, for the the average Joe, I mean, that's kind of what you're dealing with. Yeah. Save, save, save. Buy a rental property. Save, save, Create a little bit of money. All of a sudden, major headache. Something happens. Wipe down all my money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, Save, save, save. Five, eight years later, buy another rental property. Yeah. Okay. Let's say that you've got a better, maybe you got some more cash than, you know, having to save. But you still need those loans. What's the limit before the bank says, no more, we're not lending Ten to you? Ten properties. That's right. Then you got to go to more of like a portfolio lending type, which is where you bundle them together. You get one interest rate. And, yeah. Um, that's typically higher. Um, and those are harder to get. Hard, less lenders out there. Right. So... You're not a slave to these banks and their rules. So you can acquire as many properties as you like with creative financing. Financing. Some you may be able to get with zero down. Right. Or small amounts down. Right. And create a cash flow that way. And if it were all to go bad, seriously, it, yep. Uh, the market crashes. The, the market crashes. Then, your spouse leaves you. That um, you uh, got involved in a investment scheme that took all your money, okay. and literally you have no more money, and these deals are no longer good. If you were, if you had gotten conventional loans on all these properties, and you're stuck. They're foreclosing on you. Yeah, and then. Not only did they take your property away from you, they ruined your credit. Yeah. They made it so that you can't use credit cards, you can't get any lines of credit. And there's going to be a tax consequence that comes along with all of them from the IRS, the absolute worst bill collector you want after you, bar none. Absolutely. So what happens if you have set up these loans through creative finance? What's the worst case scenario? Give the property back. That's right. Sorry it didn't work out. <laughs> um, yeah. They're in a better position. They got some money from you, maybe. Yeah. They got money. They probably got some principal pay down if there was some exist- existing debt or, you know, maybe that money that you were giving them monthly right. just went into their pockets. So yeah. they're in a better position. So no one's coming after you. No credit's being ruined. No tax consequence. So much better. Yeah. And the flexibility to acquire more properties than the bank will say, all right, you've yeah. got enough, no more. Exactly. You can acquire more properties with less risk. That's right. Um, my favorite with owner finance or creative financing is literally you can create deals where there are not deals. Right. And you know, my favorite would be something where most investors aren't looking for $600,000 homes. 
that are in excellent condition that they owe $575,000 on. I mean, why would they? Right. Love that deal. We can create a deal out of that. When the market changes, we'll have things that are underwater again, where they owe more than what the house is worth. With creative financing, we can create deals where we will get paid yeah. on those. Where there's no cash deal before, as long as... as there's long no as, equity. Yeah, as long as, like, as long as we can negative. rent the property out enough to cover that payment. That's right. We can make it work. So, and obviously, you know, we can kind of tailor these to create a certain cash flow that works for us or our end buyer. Yeah. So, huge benefits to us. Yeah, love it. Okay. All right. Well, is that all of them? Or? That's all of them. That was good. That was a good episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and you really need to know, you know, what the benefits are to the seller because you got to pitch the seller on this. Um, you got to, you know, you got to structure something that works for the seller and you got to meet their needs. Um, and so you, you have to know what those benefits are and you can show that to them. You can say, look, th- these are the benefits to you. Um, and you know, when you like, as we just compared the drawback list to the benefit list, there's more benefits than drawbacks to the seller. And then of course us as the investor, you know, it's most, it's all benefits. Well, and hopefully the drawbacks that we covered, which would be the, you know, you're not getting all your money up front and, uh, maybe the down payment and the risk. Those are the, probably the three primary drawbacks. Hopefully you've kind of pre-screened them out. Because ultimately, you know, someone that wants all their equity is going to say, I want to get cashed out right up front. So you're probably not even getting that far. It might be, I want more of my equity than what you've offered me down payment wise. But so you're going to eliminate some of these as prospects if you do the right pre-screening process. Right. Awesome. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Um, what are we going to be talking about on future episodes here? Good luck. I'm not sure. We're going to go through some examples <laughs> and how things are structured. And uh, we'll talk about how we pre-screen sellers, how we can negotiate deals. We'll bring in some guests. Uh, I think we'll try to bring in our attorney that does contract for deed. Uh, I think we just had a suggestion about a tax, whether it's CPA or people that are very uh, in tune with how the taxes all work with creative financing. Yeah. And yeah, we probably reach out to some friends, mentors of mine that can even give a different spin on some of their different creative financing techniques. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. All right, guys. Uh, And we are still setting up our, this, we are, we may have a phone number set up already um, with kind of a, you can leave us a voicemail with a question that you have. Um, and kind of specifically what we're looking for is if there's a deal out there you're looking at, but you don't know how to structure, um, just provide us with uh, the information we need. And then um, I'll be the one presenting that to Jeff and Jeff will be uh, pre- or crafting some offers in real time. And then uh, we'll give that feedback to you guys right there on the podcast. So um, again, this, that number might be set up already, um, but that is a work in progress. Well, and, uh, another thing would, which would be great is, you know, don't overwhelm us, but 
Tell me some topics that you'd really like for us to delve into yeah. specifically. Absolutely. And that way we can kind of cater some things so that we know we're on the right track. We're helping people. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. So what are you guys struggling with uh, when it comes to creative financing? Um, is it understanding it? Is it how do I apply it? Um, so let us know for sure. All right. Thanks. And stay tuned. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.